Welcome to the Be A Smart Woman podcast. Everyone has their own story to tell, and you never know what impact your story might have on someone else's life. This is the foundation of the Be A Smart Woman movement. Our movement seeks to empower women through the sharing of their journeys with other women. Sometimes we don't even realize the lessons that our stories hold until we share them with others. I am Claire Faithful, founder of Be A Smart Woman, and it is my hope and dream that this podcast will illuminate personal lessons for you, the way listening to other women's stories has inspired me for years. We are so glad you are here. Let's enjoy this journey together. We welcome the lovely Dr. Peggy Farmer of Self Mastery International. Peggy is a professional speaker, wellness consultant, therapist, and executive coach. Today, we will be talking about the power of self-love. Well, hi, everyone. Um, We are now going to welcome our beautiful, lovely Dr. Peggy Farmer. How are you today? Thank you so much for coming on the show. I am delighted to be here, Claire. This is going to be wonderful. And I'm, you know, I'm really excited that we're going to be talking about the power of self-love because yes. I think that's such a, an important topic to talk about in the sense that I don't know about you and how you found out about self-love, but for me, I was told um, many, many years ago Somebody came up to me when I was living in New York and they said, you know what, Claire, you just need to love yourself and your life will be happy. And I was like, well, what? I was like, oh, okay. I thought I loved myself. And I went, well, maybe I don't love myself. And I went, well, I don't like my my toes and I don't like this about my body. Um, I don't like that about my body. I wish my hair was thicker. You know how we all are as women. But anyway... then I thought, well, maybe I don't love myself. And then I thought, well, how do I, what is this loving yourself? What does that mean? So I've kind of been in a discovery of self-love myself for probably the last 25 years. And I'm so excited to talk with you and share your wisdom and knowledge about this topic, because I think so many people um, will love to hear about the concept of self-love. Well, the reason why I have such a strong passion for self-love is that I've been a therapist now for probably almost 30 years, and it's been such a reoccurrent theme in so many people's lives, especially these lovely women that I've worked with over the years. And in my own life as well, I had my own issues with self-love, and I worked really hard on, I went off to India, I went to different places to really try to find myself, and it's really lovely you just told that story about 25 years ago in New York because a lot of times when I tell people about they need to work on self-love, they give me this befuddled look like, well, how do I do that? And what's wonderful is that as you start to deepen your understanding of self-love, you deepen your level of self-respect. They're inextricably linked. And so it's about really going deeper and saying, well, what thoughts am I thinking that's preventing me from loving myself? And so all of us throughout the course of our lives have been inundated with mixed messages. Much of the childhood experiences for most of us have had a lot of mixed messages, especially as women. 
um, you're too big, you're too small, you're too this, you're too short, you're too fat, you're too thin, you're too this or that. There was always this over-identification with how we looked versus who we were. Right. So that was number one. And number two was that we'd often get mixed messages about you can put, you can do anything you put your mind to, comma, you stupid idiot, who do you think you are? <laughs> <laughs> so there's right. that mixed message of, oh, I, I'm all that. I'm a badass, so to speak. And then there's the other part of you that's like, risk-averse to be able to be proactive and do things because you feel you can't be egotistical, you can't be perceived as having too much hubris or pride. And so I think a lot of women, unfortunately, develop this construct that they can't be overly effusive or confident or empowered because they would be perceived as being arrogant, whereas self-love and self-respect is very different than arrogance and being egotistical. Being egotistical is really a function of insecurity, not security. Right. I mean, I just find that that so fascinating because I think for me, I think about loving myself is about being kind to myself and thinking about what it is I can give myself to nurture my inner body. Um, I was today in a, a workshop um, with some, some lovely ladies and one of the ladies said that, you know, we, we're always thinking about the outside of our being. But when we don't pay enough attention to the inside, like how are our organs feeling in our body and mm. how does our heart feel? Do we feel it's expanded? Do we feel open or do we feel a little protected? Are our shoulders a little rounded? Are we kind of hunched over? Are we standing straight or sitting tall? And I think there's so much to learn in this topic of self-love. But from my experience, I think it's, it's just being kind. Yeah. I mean, would you say it's about being kind to your own body or listening to your inner guidance? In some I would way, say or? I would say it's about being kind to your body for sure and listening to that. But it's also about being kind to your mind, because most of us, the problem is the derivative of even how we feel about our bodies starts kind of with thoughts in our minds. It all starts with a thought. Okay. Ground zero is the thought. So if I if I wake up feeling insecure it's usually because it's some thought i'm thinking that i should feel or be or do something differently so deep down it's really about being able to get to the place where i can say i am enough i love myself unconditionally i allow myself to be who i am where i am what i am without trying to make myself be something other than what i am right and also a big part of this is too is is silencing the inner critic or redirecting the the the, the thoughts we talk a lot about in positive psychology and in retraining the brain about the importance of getting a handle on those subtle subconscious thoughts that arise. And so you can kind of use your emotional guidance system as the vehicle through which you can achieve a heightened state of self-awareness by saying, oh, why do I feel the way that I feel? Oh, I notice I'm upset about something. Well, what thought am I thinking that's causing me to feel this way? And then you can retrain the brain to focus more on what you do want rather than what you don't want. Okay. So it's a deeper level of self-love by saying, well, wait a minute, I am enough. And whatever false premise that I'm running, whatever false assumptions that I have about myself, that's all they are. It's just false premises. They're not real. I'm love. I am, I am love incarnate. My true nature is unconditional love. So are you, are you saying that we, we, we doubt ourselves in our mind? Like, Absolutely. Or we've, like, say, when we were growing up, we were told that, oh, you're too fat, or, oh, you're not smart. Why are you not getting A grades, or... We, well, we compare ourselves to somebody that maybe is really good at running and we're not. Exactly. And then somebody says, oh, you're not a very good runner. So then we focus on the things we're not good at versus the things that are our strengths and what we are good at. Is that? Absolutely. And, and our culture is geared towards finding what we're not good at versus what we are good at. 
And so we oftentimes growing up, our whole sense of self is defined by external markers of success like grades, um, athleticism, those kinds of things. But we weren't necessarily graded on how compassionate or kind or loving we were. Those, those, those we right. weren't given markers for. And so we as a culture have to become better about acknowledging and identifying and valuing those things that are more intrinsic versus extrinsic. Wow. That sounds so cool. <laughs> I did, and I realized I thought that I had self-love. And I feel like I do have a level of self-love towards myself than I obviously did when I was 25. But I still realize it's actually like a work in progress. It is. Where you have to keep, what's the word, tweaking yourself Absolutely. in that awareness that is this a loving act for myself? Is that kind of? Absolutely. In fact, I would say that it's a job we will never be done with. It's a, We never outgrow growth. I always say that we never outgrow growth because I believe that every single day is a stepping stone, stepping stone towards a higher level of self-love, self-acceptance, because that becomes the foundation through which we can love other people. You can't give what you don't have. If you if you have self-loathing going on, if you if you don't love yourself, if you if you find yourself very critical of self, you will project that psychologically out on other people. That's what projection's all about. We have a tendency to project whatever unhealed stuff is going on inside of us onto other people. Okay, so in other words, if I don't, like if I, I, I want to see if we can, I can understand this and also yes. for our audience yes. that they can understand that is, so say for instance, I don't like my hair. Mm. Does that mean that then I, I go out and I'm comparing other women's hair? Like oh. to say, oh, I wish I had hair like hers or is that type of, I mean, I'm just trying to understand. Yeah, that's, that's part of it, but it's usually even more implicit. It's even more, and unfortunately, it's even more insidious than that because it's the moment of you thinking my hair isn't thick enough or this is going on. It's, 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 it becomes this whole deeper thing of self-recrimination or self, self-doubt, and you're, you're kind of not feeling as 100% about yourself. You will not only see that in other women around hair, but you'll look at other characteristics of them that you don't like that then... It becomes this underlying story. It's very subconscious. Is that where we start judging? Yes. And then yes. we start criticizing. So in other words, instead of saying, oh, I wish I... This, I'm using yes. hair as an example because yeah. I right. always think my hair's too thin. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I have actually done this where I look at other women and I'll go, oh, my God, she has the most beautiful hair. And then I go and I touch my hair and go, oh, I so don't have that hair. <laughs> right, right. So I... But in a way, I can see that you can, that also can become judgment because Absolutely. then I could start criticizing other women. Or even, I always thought that if I was comparing myself to another person, that it is a form of judgment when we start comparing ourselves. But it is a form of judgment. So let's take it even deeper. There is a virus in our consciousness. It's a viral construct in our brain that most of us grew up with, that it's never good enough. I'm never good enough. It's never good enough. And so if, if you think about it, what is the end game to that? What is the end game to it's never good enough? Making people wrong. Well, that's, that's the outpicturing of that. But, right. the, but there is no end game because at what point, even if you had all the money and all the, is, if you're the most beautiful woman in the world, if you had the most, you know, exquisite life if that underlying construct is never good enough is running then there'll always be this underlying feeling of unfulfillment of not ever well, and arriving you know, that's, at this that, to me that's a, just what you said there about if somebody has so much abundance mm. that and they're beautiful and they have all the money in the world and they have everything i actually met women that have 
immense abundance and they are gorgeous and beautiful and perfect. And then when I start to talk with them, I would expect them to be all happy and joyful about their lives and they're not. And I go, oh my God, they're the same as all the people that I meet that have nothing. Sometimes they're actually more miserable than the people that have very little. And that's always struck me. So I, I guess that then takes you to things that you acquire in life. Objects cannot bring you that sense of joy and peace in your heart. You know this very well because you embody this as well, Claire. But the, the, the deepest joyful peace that we can get is not outside of us. It's inside of us. It's from the heart. <laughs> I know. It's love is all there is. So, so the greatest wealth we can ever possess is a deep level of self-love, which then becomes the catalyst for us to be able to love all beings everywhere. When we love ourselves, it gives us the ability to have more compassion and love and and kindness for other all beings, not just humans. It, that that translates also to animals, to the ecosystem, to Mother Earth. And as we become more and more conscious, that's where we want to move towards: is is helping each of us to heal our wounds. Right. That's what that's what we want to do: is to help every woman feel loved and valued and seen and heard, and help them forgive whatever wounds they have, whoever's trespassed against them, so to speak. And and really get to a place where, as we heal our wounds, our capacity to love self and others will be exponentially expanded. And it's about forgiveness, I believe. It's totally about forgiveness. To self and others. Because most of us, without consciously knowing it, have a lot of self-recrimination going on. Well, that is another, that's another uh, what's the word, thing that I found quite profound. Because people say, oh, you just have to forgive. <laughs> Like, well, you can be really mad or really wounded or really hurt by another person's actions Mm. or maybe even a a mistake we've made ourselves. So how do we, um, you know, how do we forgive? It's sort of like, how do we self-love? How do we forgive another? It's like that. I find that fascinating. I mean, I do forgive people. I, in my own life, I know I've forgiven people, but then sometimes I go, Am I really, did I really forgive them or am I fake forgiving? (laughs) Like, you know, am I still going to feel that? How do you know when you've really forgiven, Peggy? I think that's what I'm asking you is how do you know that? That's a fabulous question. Well, let's, let's, let's break that down to two parts. Yeah. The first part about forgiveness that's really important, every soul needs to do it, is to recognize that forgiveness is not condoning the person who did, who did something to use behaviors. It's, it's the ability to look at the situation and forgive them for whatever they did to you so that you yourself feel this freedom from that anger and resentment and sorrow and sadness and shame. Most of the women that I've worked with, including myself, have had some sexual molestation or some sexual um, abuse or rape or whatever. And so that's a harder subject to try to just say, oh, I'm just going to forgive this person. Uh, but the truth is, forgiveness isn't about that other person. It's about you. It's about you being able to clear your conscious mind from that trauma by being able to say, I allow myself to release this person from my mind so that it's not keeping rent-free space in my mind, so to speak. That I'm okay. forgiving them because I realize that the past doesn't define who I am in the present. That I, I want to let go of the past and not live in the energy of the old stories. And I can forgive. And I'm not again, I'm not condoning what somebody did to me that was particularly malevolent or, or bad or negative. But I am, I am reframing that experience. That it is, this at least from my own perspective... I like to take everything that's ever happened to me and reframe it as compost, fertilizer, stepping stones <laughs> to my growth so that, that I am growing a garden of love and compassion and, and not staying stuck in an old field that's, that's got 
that's gone fallow because right. the nutrients are gone, so to speak. Okay. Because love in and of itself is a powerful nutrient. Right, and I believe, I've always felt that sense of when I'm able to forgive myself for a mistake I've made or forgive another for something that they may have done intentionally or unintentionally, because I think mostly when people, when we do things to another to offend them or hurt them, I think in most cases it's unintentional. I agree. And it's just through our own personality or our own way of being. But And then there's obviously the things that people do do which are intentional to hurt somebody. But I was still was like wondering how you really know when you you can just truly forgive. I mean, from what I'm hearing you say, it's like you have to understand it and you have compassion. Yes. And in that compassion and that understanding that maybe we could all do the same thing to another. So what we are upset with one person we could end up doing that to another person, not even intentionally. And oftentimes and that's not exactly e- And even without out. completely knowing. Right. That yes. we've even done it. So we're all mirrors for each other Absolutely. We're all mirrors for each other because we're all one, ultimately. And I can tell you this from 30 years of doing a lot of therapy with a lot of people. Most, most people who do very unpleasant things to somebody else have been wounded themselves. Most sexual predators have been themselves predated upon. Right. Most people who do hurtful things have lots of wounds. That's why it's so important we help each other heal our wounds, because then we can heal the planet. You wow. Really- so, so in, in actual fact, this movement that's happening right now, the Me Too movement with all these women coming to the forefront and these very brave, inspiring women um, standing for truth, um, that this is all about, really, this all has to come out in order Absolutely. to help heal the planet and to heal our hearts as women. Yes. Because I've always felt that women are me- we're meant to come together and really support each other. And I've always felt that all the time we are, um, what's the word, judging each other or feeling insecure with each other or not maybe accepting that we're all different and we all have different beliefs or things that are important to us because for each one of us, we're completely unique, that it's about accepting yes. our differences. But I really feel that when women come together, I feel so passionate about this, that we really could heal the world. Well, I think we're that powerful as women. We I are mean, that I think powerful. we have this immense spark of light and love in us that is so encompassing because we can give birth to children, we can nurture, we can hold, we, we have that capacity to love deeply. But yet I think a lot of us are kind of wounded mm-hmm. and we don't know how to find that place of what we've just talked about, which is forgiveness and and self-love and loving another. So I, I, this, I think this is such a wonderful conversation we're having. It is. Yeah. Well, and here's the other wonderful thing that's happening worldwide. It's now time for the return of the divine feminine. And so we are on this precipice of, I think, a global transformation right now. So the Me Too movement, Time's Up movement, all of these things are coming to the forefront to be addressed. You have to address the shadow and the light. Right. And so we have to look at where we have have caused suffering to self or others and then and then begin to have a dialogue about how to change that. And one of the tools that's very helpful is mindfulness, loving kind, kindness and mindfulness meditations and being able to take whoever you're struggling with and just send them love in your mind, like loving compassion. And, and especially self. Again, everything starts with a self. So 
How many people do you know sit around and, and have compassion for themselves when they make a mistake? Not many. <laughs> Not many, exactly. <laughs> no, so, and our culture teaches us we, to be self-recriminating. We, we criticize ourselves. Absolutely. Why did we do that? Right. Should, that was so stupid of us. And we call right. ourselves all these names, even though it might be in our minds, so no one actually is hearing them, what we're right. saying. Although sometimes when I do it, I actually say it out loud. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so... Um, so what you're saying is, is like we, it's like about changing that dialogue in our, and like allowing ourselves to be not perfect. There's no such thing as perfection. It's a man-made construct and it's different in every culture. What is perfect to a Yanomami tribe member in the jungles of Brazil is different than what is perfect to somebody, say, in Asheville, North Carolina, or to, say, somewhere in Europe. Every, every, every definition of perfection is completely subjective. So I prefer the word excellence, not perfection, because most people struggle with perfectionism. And they feel, like, again, going back to that core thought of it's never good enough. So if we can transcend the, the, even the construct of perfectionism and replace it with, I choose to every day be the greatest, grandest version of myself. I choose every day to be the greatest, grandest version of myself. And on some days when I'm not feeling 100%, that's going to look a little different than on days when I have a lot of energy and I've had a good night's sleep. And so self-love and self-compassion, this is the power of self-love. If I can take every day and allow myself to be human, to be in this process of growth and evolution, we're all under construction. We're all growing and evolving. And so who we were 25 years ago is very different than who we are now. And we evolve and grow. And so... For, for mothers out there who have young kids or, or adolescents, we don't fully upload social empathy and compassion fully in our brains until about 28 years of age. So oh, those wow. of you who have young, who are, well, you have your beautiful daughter, Laura, who's 24. You've noticed that as children get over, older, they become more and more cognizant of their own emotional awareness of self and emotional awareness of others. And so we are constantly evolving and growing and expanding to become more kind and compassionate and loving. That's the plan anyway. Right. And if we, can, if we can every day notice how we talk to ourselves, so this, this is the other big important thing about the power of self-love. I need to be cognizant of the thoughts that I'm thinking, and most of us don't. We, we're, we, we drive to somewhere and we arrive at a place and don't know how we even got there. Know, right? <laughs> we're like on autopilot. <laughs> so we have about 80,000 thoughts a day, and most of us are not cautious of even 10% of them. And so this is also a call to conscious living. It's a call to becoming more cognizant of why I feel the way that I feel. What thoughts am I thinking? So our quest is to move from negative self-talk to positive self-talk. And that is, again, the bigger function of self-love is I love myself enough that I want to be kind and gentle to myself. Would I talk to my child that way? Would I talk to my beloved that way? We're much harder on ourselves than anybody else. So if we can change that inner dialogue... If we can become more conscious of why do I feel the way that I feel. Let's say we wake up and we're in a bad mood. Those don't happen in a vacuum. Your quest then is to say, well, why do I feel the way that I feel? What thought am I thinking that's causing me to feel out of alignment? And then once you assess what that is, maybe it's a fear of public speaking, you've got to do a talk that day. And so you go back inside of yourself and say, well, well I am enough. And I love myself unconditionally. And I'm going to do the best job I can do, whatever that is, in right. any given moment. And that is enough because I am enough. I love that. I am enough. That is a powerful mantra to say all the time. It's the antidote to the underlying viral construct of it's never good enough. It's the opposite. It's the opposite. It's affirming I all the time. Am I, am, I, I am enough. I love that. I love that. Everyone, we have to start saying, I, I am, am enough. enough. It's a movement. <laughs> yes, it is a movement. <laughs> I am enough. Yes. I love that. Because when you come from that place, you don't have to prove yourself worthy to anybody about anything because that's externalizing your locus of control. Most of us struggle because we we feel like we need other people's approval 
I feel that. I think in my own life, I mean, I've noticed on my journey of life where so many times I've just gone, oh, Claire, you're not good enough. Why are you so slow? That's one of my things. You're so slow, Claire. It takes you so long to do anything. But the truth is everything has, if I really take a look at that, that comment is of no use to me, really. It just I'm just putting myself down by saying that and it actually stops me from moving forward because then it kind of freezes me with I'm not good enough. So I am saying I'm not good enough. You're affirming the self-saboteur. Instead of saying, look at what you have achieved right. in your life. Look at the journey you've gone on, Claire, and look at all the things you've learned, whether they're mistakes I've made and then I've learned a great lesson. So then I know not to repeat that again in my life. I mean, I think you're right. It's like we are enough. I am enough. Absolutely. And, and that's a powerful reframing sentence because, like, for example, in cognitive behavioral therapy, we work with people around changing the inner dialogue, just like we're talking about. So let's say the sentence you just said so wisely, but one of your thoughts is, I'm too slow. So a reframing statement might be, I choose to go with the flow of life. What inspires me about you is you're in the flow. You're in divine flow. You, you like to flow with things. So you're not pressured to feel like you have to achieve something by somebody else's quota, you have to. You, 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 your reframing is: this is my speed, and I'm comfortable with this speed. No, and this I is who I am. And the thing that's funny about that, Peggy, is that I, um, when I compare myself to somebody else, because l- everyone has different ways, and I know lots of people out there that know me, and they're like super fast, and they get so much done, and they're like off here and flying around the world, and and I always look at them and think, oh my god. I wish I could be like that. And then I go, I can't do that. Because for me, my something about my internal clock is is a little slower and calmer or more methodical. I don't know what, there's not really, maybe it's not about comparing myself, but it's just different. And I've had to learn to accept that. Because whenever I try to rush and do, like go in that fast pace, it never works for me. I fall down, I have a car accident, you know, something <laughs> bad will happen to slow me down again. So I've learned that if I stay in this nice ebb and flow of, of my own inner timing, everything seems to be magic. So this is another wise point of self-love that you just said is self-acceptance. They're inextricably linked. You can't have self-love without self-acceptance. You have to accept who you are. We're not here to compete with anybody. We're, as women much more powerful when we collaborate and come together as a soulful sisterhood of light. Right. And so each of us have our own unique strengths and talents and abilities. And our quest for each of us is to play to our strengths and manage our vulnerabilities. It's not to over-ruminate about what we're not good at, but to play to our strengths and become aware of their areas that are under construction. Notice the wording. It's not my, I'm not good at this. It's just areas under construction. I like which, that. Which also tells the psyche, it gives the brain... Instead of getting an F or you don't do, do do something well, it's like, oh, it's just not yet. We're not there yet. We, we may not have competency in this learning. area, but we're still learning. And so you never outgrow growth. That's why it's really important. We always have a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. We want to always be in the energy of evolving and expanding and stretching and growing. And we may not be super competent at quantum physics, but we might be really good at you know, gardening or doing something else. So each of us have our own strengths and specialities, and it's important we naturally play to our strengths. Because then life feels more effortless when we're in our, our wheelhouse. But when we try to be something other than what we are, it creates a lot of internal discord. It creates what we call cognitive dissonance. 
because you literally are trying to be something other than what you are. So in other words, a part of self-love or self-love or loving yourself is about honoring the gifts with inside yourself, like honoring your uniqueness. Absolutely. That, that's exactly perfect. That. That's, that, that's what self-love predicates your ability to say to yourself, I am enough. I am who I am and who I am is perfect. Who I am is unique and beautiful and this is my gift to the planet. And right. we're all like pieces of a puzzle or a large mosaic and each of us have our own unique part to play. And no one is exactly the same as the other. I know it sounds slightly overused, but it is true about the snowflakes that there are no two snowflakes that are exactly alike. Each of us are this wonderful, unique creation, a spark of the divine, that we have a unique mission to perform that nobody else can. So there's no need for competition because nobody can do exactly what you're doing, Claire. Nobody can do exactly what I'm doing. We're all here on this beautiful journey to become the love that we are. If there's one thing I would say to all our listeners that would be the most profound thing I could say is that the greatest gift we can give humanity is to love ourselves unconditionally. Because from that place of self-love, everything else in your life will start to change. Wow. I love that. Oh my God, Peggy, this is such a wonderful, what a wonderful interview. Oh, thank you. Yeah, like this is my second interview. In and you're my, doing in the awesome. the Be a Smart Woman podcast. And, and I am just so grateful to Dr. Peggy Farmer for coming on the show today. I mean, this is just like, I mean, just to talk about self-love, we could carry on talking about this. It feels like it could go on and on. <laughs> it is my divine pleasure. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Peggy Farmer, for coming on the Be A Smart Woman show. We are so grateful to you for sharing your wisdom with us all today. If you would like to find out more about Dr. Peggy Farmer, you can check out her website, www.selfmasteryintl.com. You can purchase her book, Exploratory Surgery of the Soul, A Journey to Self-Mastery, and her meditation CDs, Letting Go, on her website or amazon.com. To schedule a private coaching session or speaking engagement, Email Dr. Peggy Farmer at drpeggyfarmer at gmail.com. That wraps up our Be a Smart Woman podcast for today. I hope that you discovered something about yourself during today's podcast, as I truly believe we can learn something from everyone we meet. If you like what you heard today, I invite you to subscribe and leave a review. We'd love to have you in our Be A Smart Woman family. You can also follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you've got questions or think you have a story to share, you can find our contact information at beasmartwoman.com. Thank you for listening and see you next time.